If you like Taste Test and you want to keep the music digestion sessions going every week and get some exclusive bonus content, stick around afterwards for details. But first, let's start the show. Have a taste. You are now in the zone. The zone with Taste Test Live. On our podcast, we provide our listeners with insightful music digestion sessions, what's happening in the music and entertainment industry each week. Also, on Taste Test Live, we feature artist interviews, awesome backstories, and we might even get an exclusive song from one of our guests. Yeah, I love that. That's right. Our goal is to keep our podcast subscribers happy by offering new and fresh content. If you have an album or a single coming out and you want to promote your music or your book or your artwork or share a great story about your career, career in the music industry, drop us a line. You can do that by heading over to our website at tastetest.live. Head over to our contact page and you just might have a chance to be a guest on the show. Yep, that's true. Mm. It is time to have a taste. Taste. Hey, what's jazzing? What's jazzing? It's time for Taste Test Live. Welcome to Taste Test Live. And here for some exclusive interviews, music, news, and laughs. Joining me in the studio is my co-host today, MJ Baker. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Glad you are here. So can you take a quick moment and tell our few, our first-time listeners what our podcast is all about? Yes. On Taste Test Live, we discuss what's happening in the entertainment industry. Our podcast features exclusive interviews, and occasionally we feature some new music releases you probably won't hear anywhere else. That's right. So if you're interested or you know someone who might be interested in promoting an upcoming single their new album, concert, or they want to drop by to share their project, have them get in contact with us. Taste Test Live is a fully syndicated mm-hmm. podcast and is on nearly all podcast services or wherever you listen to your podcast. Head over to our website at tastetest.live and you can complete the form on the website to be a guest on the show. And if you like what you've heard, please follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Taste Test Radio. Yeah, awesome. So um, we are going to just jump right to the good stuff. I am super excited to invite my friend, Mr. Joe Gonzalez. Yeah. Joe, welcome to Taste Test Live. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. This is good. I'm excited. I've been wanting to talk to you behind a microphone for a long time. And the day of reckoning is finally here. And I have a lot to say. You do? Too much. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. Well, we, we're here. We have lots of ears. There's at least four ears in this room. Yes. And uh, and now there may be more ears listening with the podcast. So oh, thank you. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you. Um, yeah, well, first of all, let me do my introduction of you of how I recall meeting you. Please. We'll start with this that. Is what so, I, this is the good stuff. This is the good stuff. <laughs> Joe is one of these guys who is probably as equally as much of a music lover as I am. Um, he has this uncanny ability to tap into to music. Um, how can I say this? There is something about you that is not like other people. You you have a wide array of musical influences and a wide of uh, a various palette. You know, like I always talk about on Taste Test Radio that I'm broadening the horizons and uh, providing uh, music for the delectable palette. So you know, you have a really good um, you have really good taste in music. This, this is someone with perfect taste giving me a compliment right now. What do you say when, you, when that happens? How do you how do you respond? I can't say my taste is perfect. It's it's pretty damn good. I mean, well, I you. listen to this show, and when you play, whether it's the new or the old, you you hit it. That's why, I, like, when I'm listening, I'm like, wait, does he know this too? Because yeah. it's like I'm motivated to be there with you. That's one of the most engaging kind of shows you can encounter. I appreciate you know? that. I really do. I appreciate it. I mean, you know, like, he'll slide in my DMs. He sends me, like, this obscure music from Japan. Oh, and, wow. And usually it's like a, uh, I'm trying to envision this and really do a, a good job describing this for people who are listening. So imagine if you log on to your Instagram and you click on a direct message and you open it up and it sends you to this 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 person's page and everything is in Japanese and all of a sudden you see this vinyl record playing and there's this really amazing music that's on this beat. Like, that's my life. That's what you just describe my life. <laughs> that's, that's pretty you don't awesome. Understand the mu- you don't understand the language but the music the, is amazing. Yeah, you don't need to. You, right. you know, and at the very bottom of Instagram they have that little link that says translation and you can click it and it can translate the Japanese or whatever language it may be to actually English, right? 
I don't even bother because I'm I'm there. He's to missing to the, the funniest stuff. Wow, <laughs> the translations are the best. Really? <laughs> they are funny often. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, you know a whole lot about music. I hope. Tell um, can what what was your what was it like growing up oh, for you? you? Everyone loves this, and then I was born. Right here we go. You right. ready? Yeah. I was born in a funeral home. Okay. <laughs> wow. It's a good start, right? Yeah. Um, it was a converted funeral home. I, I was born 100 miles west of Detroit, small town, uh, Michigan, Albion, Michigan. One um, one music artist comes from there, and if you're a hardcore uh, avant-garde, avant-curious might be curious about this, um, Bill Laswell and I come from the same hometown. And that's okay. the only artist. Bill Laswell actually went on to produce um, some of the most avant-garde hip-hop of all time, for sure. The third Jungle Brothers album in 19... Well, I guess that would have been 92 when they were making it. Should have been uh, Crazy Wisdom Masters. They, were, uh, they brought in a new DJ, DJ Torture, and he started uh, scratching up... Um, uh, uh, stock uh, what Stockhausen Records Stockhausen, and and yeah. the Jungle Brothers are like we found our new sound we found our new guy so they went out and hired Bill Aswell to produce an avant-garde album and along the way someone stole the tapes and oh. it, it turned into this ordeal so if you ever look in the Jungle Brothers um, discography the third album is JB's with the Remedy mm-hmm. and there's a good uh, portion of outtakes that are all from the Crazy Wisdom Master sessions of tapes that didn't get stolen and, and that the label approved it's some of the wildest weirdest hip hop you will ever hear outside Divine Styler yeah <laughs> but interesting I mean, yeah. so it's certainly um, when I think of you know when I think of your show I think that's the, the lineage like it big booms from there into all this uh, you know neo soul to future soul to the most avant garde of R&B there yeah. is yeah that's the big I mean bang to me my, that's my that's what urban means you know um, so WJCT asked that I provide urban radio to their audience and I knew the audience and the demographic having been a longtime listener of NPR and, and WJCT growing up and when I'm thinking urban, like, they can't mean black. You know, um, I, they can't mean that. <laughs> and so the black, the black man says that. And right. You know what the situation really is. Exactly. So, I mean, for me, urban is like grit. It means diversity. It means culture. It means city. So when I think of urban, I think of like New York's. So I think of the, you know, downtown Miami. I think of Pittsburgh. I think of Detroit. You, you think of all of the metropolitan areas, but you think of the melting pot that exist and all of the influences, you know, speaking of where you grew up in Detroit, I mean, music comes from Detroit. I mean, so much of music came from Detroit. uh, This is why I'm trying not to get uh, too distracted with Michigan talk, because once you open up the Motown to punk rock to techno, everything is there. But but that's the definition of urban to me. It's like a melange, Mm -hmm. you know, a melting pot of of, of sorts. So you obviously grew up in in a reformed uh, a funeral home. Born in a born in a, in a in a reformed funeral home. <laughs> so I played in the basement where you know they they did the bodies and they had all the tools down there. It was creepy. We had no windows in the bedrooms, what? and there were um, I know right talking about the funeral home. And this is not what I expected today, but um, there behind the walls there are these pathways where they used to carry the casket so they could present without you know interrupting services. But now that it's a converted and it's converted into three apartments the owners would come and move their tools around. So literally, as a little kid, you would hear chains rattling in the walls, and there's no windows, wow. completely dark. It was a really wild childhood, wow. to say the least. My goodness. <laughs> okay. So sitting in there, listening to records in the dark, can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, that's all you hear. Yeah. Um, my first album, I was born in 1973, so that's the Suitcase 73 mm-hmm. double meaning. Um, my first album was the American Graffiti soundtrack, released in 1973, which is a double album of nothing but 1950s hits. So when Del Shannon's Runaway comes on and it gets to the bridge and they start playing the Ondioline, it's a, it's one of the first electronic keyboards. And it's... Hearing that in the dark with, with no windows, and sometimes chains rattling the walls, spooky, wow. it gets into your soul, yeah, you know? Yeah. So um, I can only imagine. Right. So to fast forward to the end of the funeral home, come 1980, that's when my mom and my first stepdad, I guess, couldn't take it anymore and got the divorce. And she just started buying me records as, I guess, some kind of vent, some kind of outlet. Mm-hmm. So thankfully, uh, Michael Jackson's Off the Wall was just hitting. Yeah. Yep. Wow, so yeah. the first two singles. Which I think is his best album. Thank you. Well, I yeah. don't know. Thriller has merit. It does. No doubt. It does. 
However, but Rod Temperton, Quincy Jones, and that mm. first album, and then Stevie Wonder was brought in for the mm. single. I mean, oh, mm. ugh, oh my head's swelling mm. thinking about it. Mm. Yeah, that, that those were the records that kind of launched me into the world out from that funeral home. Like, now, yeah. you, you, you know, we're going to be moving around, you know, mom's dating, she's single. She's not around, you know. It's now yeah. now I'm left alone with the music. So out from the basement into yeah. the world. Yeah, totally, right. totally. Okay. And I knew I, I didn't know the language. I knew the direction, and the direction was I want to make this whatever whatever this is this record the way it sounds the way it makes you feel when it gets to the bridge and that keychain hits hits that's it I got to do that. Yeah. I knew that back then, you know. So Joe, let me ask you something. Did you play an instrument growing up? No, I'm a born drummer, which means I've been waiting till the time <laughs> when someone says you can. Wow. And and they always tell me sixth grade. You know, when the parades came through town, we had um, our, our hometown festival uh, was the Festival of the Forks. That's our like founding day celebration. Mm-hmm. So they closed the streets, bring out the food vendors and have the parades. I just, those drums coming from, you know, down the block. You just start feeling it in the ground. Yeah. It's yeah. like, that's me. You know, you see, that's me walking by. I see me Just in the waiting future. for your turn. Yep, and sixth grade is what they, you you got to wait the sixth grade. You got to wait. You got to wait. And then in sixth grade, I moved to Florida, and then Florida said you got to wait to seventh grade. Oh, so that was Duval. That was County. a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, in 80, 84, I got here. Okay, so you you waited, and then did you did you join band immediately when you became oh, yeah. in seventh grade? They, I mean, literally, they said, "Here is the form. Just give it, give me the form." <laughs> <laughs> just snatch that form out of their hand. I don't need to know what these electives are. Band, 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 drums, drum. You know, I had a secondary. They were, you better think about it. I know what my secondary is. I'm a, I'm a fake keyboard player. I'm looking for the perfect relationship. Which you, which you really do fake a great <laughs> With yeah. Everything is a fake G7. Don't let me fool you. It's just a lot of G7s. <laughs> um, and then resolve to C. That's all I know. <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, okay, so what school did you grow up playing in? I mean, when you here? When you, right, yeah, in, oh, in Duval County. Here comes Duval story. Duval. Ready, ready for some Duval. Here we go. We moved every year in the middle of the school year. So two schools a year. Wow. Every wow. year. Interesting. So ask me about a school, and I'll, I'll have probably. And you have two, so two schools per there. per year mm-hmm. that you had to. Okay, so you've gone to all of the schools practically. In, in <laughs> I, I've gone, no joke, probably a third. <laughs> some, I wow. did the count once, and it was something like fourteen schools overall. Once you work in the vocational, the night school, and the occasional summer school, yeah, it was something like fourteen schools all in all. Wow. Hmm. That's got to be uh, a little bit of disconcerting and unnerving to the development of a child, I'd like to think. I mean, I had that happen to me. We were moving a lot. Yeah. You know, just when you get good and you start making friends, then mm-hmm. guess what? Mom's moving to the other side of town. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I did, you know, I went from west side to north side to riverside, and that was six schools, three years. Oh, wow. Okay. So in, in those experiences, though, let's let's talk about the light, the positive thing that happened. So obviously you're playing at some of these, you're playing drums at some of these schools. Were there any impactful uh, educators that you you'd like to mention that <laughs> great, you know great like question Damien, boom knocking out of the park. You see that? He just hit that question <laughs> oh and the ball went he's all the way out the park. He's um, the Oprah of Jacksonville. <laughs> oh my God, I don't know. The about Oprah that. of Jacksonville you know stamping you know, that now. He's the Gail King because that that moment when Mr. Kelly was getting close to Gail, I just see Damien, just really. You're so funny, MJ. Chill. But on the inside, he's going, you step one more step. I'm from Avenue B. I will. 32209. I will fight you. I don't want to. I don't want to. But if you get any close. So now I'm afraid. Every 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 answer from this point forward oh, is with no. fear. No, 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 fear. no, 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 no. Of course not. No fear. No, no. We don't incite <laughs> violence of any of any shape or no, form no, at all. No, not yeah, at no, all. No, no. Of course no. not. That's but not. like like Erica Badu, there's a tweet. She's like, you know what? If you step to me wrong, now you know, I'm all cool. But the cool, the 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 what is it? I have to pull the tweet up. But something in reference to the 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 cool. What are the the the, the cigarettes? And 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 the and the slits malt. But, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll come for you. Right, right. <laughs> so to answer this question, because yes. I am impressed with this question, um, and the reason being, because yes, the answer is yes. And I, I'm going to be reluctant to drag in too many thoughts with this one because there's a lot to say. But um, while I lived on the north side, uh, 85, 85, yeah, I moved there. Let me do the math here. February of 85. It was the moment I stopped liking Madonna. Let me be clear. <laughs> I know oh. that's tough words. But for me, 
No, I not, love the early Detroit Madonna. Da- Madonna. Yeah. I love that Madonna. And then when she went to New York, love that Madonna. Then when, when uh, Like a Virgin made her Madonna, I got off the bus. I was like, but I was here for the, uh, you know, for the other. Yeah. But I'm also a producer. Mm-hmm. I'm less than the, you know, the front person. I'm always looking at the production, too. Mm-hmm. So as she moved through different producers, that's, I'm not here to talk about Madonna. What am I doing? Yeah, talk about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I moved there on February, March of 85, Northside, and started going to Highlands um, seventh grade. I and Highlands was fairly a new school at was that it? time. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I transferred out from uh, uh, James Weldon. No, wait, no, it was the other way around. I went to Highlands first. So um, at Highlands, when I got into seventh grade, yeah, I always call him Michael McDonald because all I remember, white guy with a beard who just had an amazing sense of rhythm. And he, he understood that drummers are a different animal, that, mm-hmm. you know, everyone there is learning their scales, they're learning harmonics, you know, they're, they're understanding melodic intervals. Right. We just want to start banging. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he understood that. He was the kind of teacher that said, I'm going to basically treat these as two different classes. So he was like, drummers, just go in there and bang your hearts out for a while. I teach them their scales. Yeah. And then when you get tired, I'm going to come over and show you how to do a paradiddle and how to do a flam and all those little rudiments that drummers need to learn. And then he would test you on it in private, very compassionately and say, you don't need to bring your drum. You don't need to be a little kid carrying a heavy instrument. Just come in here and play on a, on a chair and show me how to do your flam and your paradiddle and I'll score you just based on that and then if you're doing wrong I'll show you exactly how to do it right so you get it right next week it was great Yeah. and people have said to me oh you know well it's all about financing and all well I understand that argument and for a lot of people that's necessary but for him it wasn't he was engaging and he understood what What's our his needs name? were let's go ahead and mention I his name I wish I could remember oh. I went to how many schools oh. I went to how many I schools I can't remember oh. so Highlands 1985 if you're out there listening you yeah, were the best listening, you like, were the best message us you know how to reach us like comment on if this post is online. Who comment who was the band teacher at Highlands Elementary School? I need to drop the name. Michael McDonald. <laughs> that looked like Michael McDonald. Yes. <laughs> who was that guy? We need to know. And then from there, it went downhill because after that, you know, each other teacher had their own method, and yeah. it's again, it's that they don't understand what the need of this a student is and b musician is. Absolutely. So between those two needs. A lot of the teachers like, look, this is, you know, this is band. This is what you learn. End of story. Right. And they, yeah. I think they're getting better, though. I hope. Yeah, they're, hope. they're getting better. You know, I had I had some band experiences and I won't talk about mine. But one of my Miss uh, uh, McQueen, her mm. name was, uh, I think, Samantha McQueen. She taught at Landon at the time. It was a junior high school, Landon Junior High. And I was in jazz and symphonic band and I played tenor sax there. And one day I'm sitting in. Uh, watching Netflix mm-hmm. and this this show called Chops, and it was about the Douglas Anderson School of the Arts band. Wow, going up to New York to compete for the Wynton or Wynton Marcel. It's wow. it's it's out there. It's not on Netflix wow. anymore. Okay, but it's um and all, at the big very beginning of the opening, I see the hand and I see this hand and I'm and she's conducting <laughs> and then I see her face and I just started screaming. Best my queen is on TV. You know, I just had a moment, but they actually won. They 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 fantastic. won and it it talks about their journey. All these kids. I, I think I've caught wind of the, the oh, winning, but yeah. I didn't realize there was a, a documentary. It's that called can do. Chops. It's Chops. Really really good. Highly recommended. Thank if you. you love music, if you love jazz, if you love Duval, if you love Jacksonville. No, I love Jacksonville's jazz pedigree. Yeah. UNF and, and Douglas Anderson have been amazing since I got here. Yeah. I can't believe it. I mean, Still. when JCD sponsored yeah. the Jazz Festival, it was one of the greatest things. Yeah. World class. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> lot, I mean, all of, all of those jazz festivals, I still have stories about. You yeah. know, I saw this artist. I know Marcus Printup, Kevin Bales. Changed my life. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you and a bunch of other people. I could truly <laughs> I'm glad say. to hear yeah. that. <laughs> so obviously, okay. So you have, you grew up surrounded by music had vinyl so you had more vinyl experiences and then you went from the basement out into the world started drumming and then what got you said you were a producer so what 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 led you to start producing all right well you know what we'll answer two questions in one mm-hmm. mrs whitmire was the wife that was my ninth grade band to you well eighth and ninth I just moved from Riverside, so I went to Lakeshore. Mr. Whitmire was my band teacher there, so her husband was my band yeah. teacher. I'm just going to say it on the radio. Yes, it's like this on the podcast. Yes, for real. Miss Whitmire was better. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Whitmire was way better because she understood. Again, she saw that, okay, you're doing something different. So let me pull you to the side, set you up a little place, tell you some things you need to know, and give you some room to do what you do. And that, she let me run with it. She gave me the right to 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 steal all the cadences from every other school. Mm. 
because I'm going to come out in that football field and play your cadence before you do first. And we're going to play it better. Mm. And you ain't going to get to play it. Mm. And I went to enough schools to collect them. Mm. And Miss Whitmire knew that. <laughs> Mrs. Whitmire said, I, it, will yeah. t- I will take three people out of their, whatever their instrument they play, if they want to join you, because I'm going to back you up with heavy bass drums. And we're going to get them down there on the ground, beating on them, when, whatever cadence you teach them. She said, take them into the cafeteria and teach them. So at that point, I'm now the leader. You know what I'm saying? Even yeah. though I'm in school, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm not in class at all. I, you know, I'm just waiting. So you're the English a real class. musical director at that's that right. point. Right. Okay. okay. So at that point, that's when it starts to transition. Like I can, I can make that Michael Jackson record now. You know what I yeah. mean? Because now yeah. I understand how to put people. Oh, you, you go here, you go there, you go here. All right, we're going to do this. I want you to sit out the first time around. But when we come back second time around, come in. It's going to have second. It's going to be that much more powerful. We'd blow people out of the football. We were junior high <laughs> to your ninth grade back then was junior high. Yeah, I remember. So yeah. we would go out in the field and they're just be you know kids and the, they just play their cadence they know and stop you know we came out we put on the show so that's when i knew i gotta take this thing for real yeah and um brief uh brief detour my stepdad talked some good sense into me he said you know the skill center it's got a good art program and you're really good at art so you should consider you know taking a tour seeing and once i saw that you sit in school for you know six hours and do nothing but draw and eat candy at your desk Sign me up. And that's got me out of band. And I regret uh, it. I regret it. Yeah, oh, I so regret yeah. it. But that, you know what that did? It gave me the place where I can make tape covers. <laughs> uh-huh. I could meet other artists. And okay. I didn't think about all that till about maybe my second or third year. And I started to stumble on someone else's tape cover, like another artist who was in that school. Mm-hmm. We got to find this person now because I got, I got an artist I could work with as a producer. So, um, But the love for music never went. Never. It still was still there. Always. I mean, so maybe this this slight detour things. that you took, maybe that was sort of what you needed. <laughs> right. Thank you. I think that's yeah. fair. I think yeah. that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. So thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we. I mean, because we were just we were speaking, um, talking earlier, like before we came here to interview you, and we were talking about paths and how mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, we might feel like a certain thing is not a part of our story, but maybe it is to set you set us up for something right. bigger, for right. the bigger. Yeah. It makes you well rounded. Yeah. I think, you know. So. True. Yeah. So you, because the learning never stops. It really does not. Right. And like you said, the the, the innate passion, if it's there, I mean, there's nothing to lie about. Yeah. It's just going to be the the goal, the motivation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, all right. So, Skill Center, um, and we'll, we'll, we're taking on this big this big journey. So, to recap, loved music, loved vinyl, loved drums, like it was in you. And then you took a side side detour. You 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 uh, went to the art school. Went school to center. the skill center, mm-hmm. and uh, from there you started designing, and that got you in the production industry. So, f- what happened after that? Fun story. Um, and and you know I want to do my partner justice because he's not here. He's but let me do him justice. It's really about meeting him. Everything you're asking right now is about meeting one person. Because when you meet one other artist, right, right, right. you come to life. Like yeah. there's it's not just me. <laughs> so. At that time, I was already um, getting a little, like, fake studio set up in my bedroom. I had a Casio SK-5, a lion, I'm lying, a concert mate, whatever, 660. It was the Radio Shack knockoff of the, the Casio SK-5. Um, I had a little two-track mixer for some kid in school, you know, stuff like that. It was mm-hmm. terrible. Mike with no top. You know, the top had broken off. You made it work. Yeah, hey, throw yeah. it in the closet, you know, tell them to go in there, and they'll soak up all the, the echo, right? So, you know, I had a little thing, like, going like that. And that's when I found a tape cover made by this other guy, Brett, Brett Hammock. But I didn't know his name was that. His name was uh, the infamous Brick. Ooh. And he was a <laughs> bodybuilder. Mm. And he comes from a family of bodybuilders. In fact, his brother owned Joe Gold's Gym. I didn't okay. know any of this. I just saw this tape cover and it's like rapping bodybuilders. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm getting myself hurt or getting myself help. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm going to go chase this. Moth the flame. Right. And, uh, and worse, my friends started writing all over his uh, tape covers, my name and stuff like to, to intensify the non-conflict. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and eventually I met the guy and turned out, I mean, man, he was talented. He was just rapping nonstop all the time. He knew all the songs. He had like all the influences. He had all the inflections. He had all the personality. Then he would stop rapping and start telling you about when he was a guitar player. Then he would tell you about the time he was a professional wrestler. And it would just go on and on and on. I'm like, this dude's for real. He really had, he would have yeah. all these photos and pictures of all the stuff he's done. 
I was like, we got to get you in the studio, man. <laughs> There's no way we could not. He said, well, I'm already in a group, you know, this is my other partner and whatever, whatever. So that's how, what got me to really think, like, how do I get to the studio? Like the studio, you know, what does that mean? It's a big place in the sky as far as I know. And um, a guy named Kareem Mills, first mentor, Kareem Mills, uh, sat next to me in pre-algebra class at White High School. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm already working in the studio and it sounds like you know what you're doing and like, you know, all this stuff. Oh yeah, I, you know, I got some tapes, you know, but I didn't really want to show them, <laughs> you know, home yeah. scratchy tapes, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Embarrassment all over those baby, naked baby photos. Oh, I'm just saying that's what it feels like <laughs> when you let those tapes yeah, out, yeah, you know? No, no. Um, but he was, he was starting to howl me in school. He's like, come on, just bring me tape. Let me, let me hear what you got. And after he took one listen, he came back next day. He said, this, this enough. He said, just take this number right here. And it was a number for Kenneth Andres. And I couldn't believe it because I went home and I started pulling out tapes I'd already bought. And Kenneth Andres produced some of this stuff I own. Hmm. Kid in school giving me this number for real? So that's when I start thinking, I might want to act on this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Brett, you and your partner get in the, in the bedroom studio. We're, we're going to hammer out a demo and see if we can do this for real. And, you know, one of the other partners came out and said, this is good enough. I'm sure right now I feel my song is good enough to go to the real studio. And when he said that, it was like, that's good enough for me. Let's go. So I called him up. Let's go. Skip school. <laughs> Drove out to Regency where his studio was at the mm-hmm. time. He was sitting there eating his uh, Wendy's lunch. He was between sessions. I caught him at the right time. And I told him, you know, basically what I could do. You know, I knew my equipment, the 808, SB1200. He had a DSS-1 sampler. I was like, all right, we can do some work in here. You got a, a Lisi sequencer. This is way better than what I got in the bedroom. So let's do this. And he uh, booked me basically an account. So I started by early 91. I had three groups, kids from schools or, or neighbors, you know, anyone just, mm-hmm. we were just going in constantly at that point, 90, 91, just booking sessions after school every day. And uh, my so very- So you, you produced quite a, quite a number of local acts mm-hmm. around that period. I was uh, absolutely um, following in the footsteps of CC Orange, better known as CC Lemonhead. He, mm-hmm. he came out to be um, um, 95 South, then 69 Boys, and then Quad City DJs. Those are all him. Wow. So yeah. I just, when I saw he was starting to get his foot out there with Chill Deal in those early days, mm-hmm. late 80s and all that, I was like, I can do this. I can do this. So I had all these kids just going through the studio nonstop. And uh, by 92, that's when all these little, you know, basically they're not artists. They're kids. You know, there's just kids in school trying to rap right. or whatever. So yeah. they, after a while, they get distracted, go do what they got to do. And I realized, no, 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 I got to, the real artist got to get pulled out of this. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like, Brett, you've always been number one. Just get over here and we'll, we'll be an act. And that's, he and I are the act that wrote and recorded Who Let the Dogs Out. There you have it. Wow. There you have it. Wow. Okay. So who let the dogs out? I think everybody in this, if, if, if you are on this planet and you've heard who let the dogs out, just the word who let the dogs out. Right. I can tell you my first recollection. I was going on a cruise the first time I, and we were going on this like satellite bus or satellite boat mm-hmm. to the Cayman. So I, we take the big cruise ship to the Grand Cayman Islands. And in order to get to the island, you had to take another smaller boat from the big boat. And we're all in the boat. In the Caribbean. I heard it in the Caribbean. That's huge. And we were on the boat, and people like the, the, because it's the fun ship. Carnival's the fun ship, right? So you know, people getting off the boat, and they just start chanting, Who let the dogs out? Do you know what year this was? This had to be, I want to say 90, this probably was like 99 at that point. 99. Yeah. 1999. Yeah. Cayman Islands, 99. You know that's, I'm putting on a timeline while I get home, right? You know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Actual 1999. <laughs> All right. And, um, and I, I recall just like, this is awesome. Like, who are these people? They you love probably heard song. the Anselm Douglas version. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just knew, I knew who let the dogs out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is how everyone, I mean, yeah. February of, February of 1998, it just, it just invaded the Caribbean. Just one day. If yeah. you can, you can pinpoint it. I'll tell you how. Um, cricket. Any, raise your hand if you're a cricket fan. No, me neither. All right. Nobody's, nobody's a cricket fan in the room. Yeah, Nobody, nobody raised their hand. Um, in the Caribbean, cricket's a big deal, you know, because of the relationship between the UK and the Caribbean, of course. So, you know, it's like the relationship between punk rock and reggae is kind of the same thing with cricket. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I didn't know this. I had to learn all this as who let the dogs out, escape my, literally as they escaped my yard, you know, <laughs> I had to learn about everyone else's yards. Um, so this is what I learned. In, in February, the English cricket team did a match or a test, I think they're called. And they go to, through the Caribbean and you tour it. You play each country. So each country has, you know, what, what your team comes out and plays England. And then they fly to the next island. Their team comes out and play. So Jamaica was the first team. And this is early February 1998. M- match went terrible. Field was awful. They actually called, called it like, we're just going to forfeit the whole game and move on to the next island. You guys got to fix your field. Guess what the next island was? Trinidad. Who let the dogs out? Soon as they yeah. arrived. And, and the, the cricket team was like, what is this about? And, and the, everyone in the stands are screaming it at the fans and everything. So everyone was like, how did this get here? Well, Ansem Douglas had just brought the song from Toronto that month to Trinidad mm. for the mm. carnival. For the, specifically for the so carnival. This, specifically for TNT carnival that year. Mm-hmm. You know, you, do you know about the Monarch, uh, Monarch, was it championship or whatever it is? You basically are bringing a song down and you're, you're taking your song from, from venue to venue performing it. And you want to be the best song of this carnival. You win the Monarch. Oh, okay. So that was the song that Anselm brought down. Now, he didn't win per se, but everyone knew he won. Yeah. I mean, he walked off that island like, now everyone knows my song forever. Yeah. Yeah. So question, where did Anselm Douglas get that what song a hook, in 1998? Though. So let's back up. Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. rewind. All right. Why was it called Who Let the Dogs Out? What was the inspiration behind it? For, for me or yeah. for For me? you. For me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because my, my story does collide with the story. It's just that it collides so far back. All these other So let's go back. There. Yep, here we go. Uh, 1992, Brett and I are driving around his band, van. Uh, again, the, the whole idea was we had just come out of a situation where I was producing a bunch of groups. I had them on the road. We were doing shows in uh, Hollywood, Florida for Steve Peters, owner of the box. You know, so we, we had a big thing that we just dumped. You know, come summer 92, I just, I told him straight up, I'm not dealing with these people anymore. Just, you, they'll call me if they got a song good enough. Yeah. They'll book that session if we, they got a song good enough, and I'll do it. But I'm not dragging, you know, 20 people by their hands out on the road right, like right. this anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't. As a kid, I'm like 16, 17 years old. I know how to do that. So I just told Brett, it's you and me. And he, I didn't believe it. He was like, it's on. Because <laughs> I thought this guy had so much talent and so many connections that he didn't need me like that. But he was like, no, it's on. So he started writing and I started writing and we started riding around in his van and listening to music together and just wiling out, really. And once, um, once the song, um, we were listening to like mostly bass music back then, mostly up-tempo, regional hip-hop. So when the song The Mad Scientist came on by Bass Patrol in his van for the sixth time in a row, I got sick of it. I was like, man, you got to change this. Take this tape out and put something else on now. You can't keep playing the same thing over and over. And he just, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And then play it again. So when it got to the part where I couldn't understand what was saying in the background, and all I could hear was, I just started making up things. So every time it would come around, I'd start saying, like looking at him like, who left Fred out? You're just making up stuff. Yeah. But at some point, who let the dogs out got said and he looked at me and he was like who let the and he started saying it at me it was like he took ownership of the of me making fun of him he just took ownership of that joke threw it right back at me like look how good this sounds and i'm looking at him like that looks like a real song wow <laughs> as he's saying it and doing uh-huh. it, i'm watching this artist do this thing i'm like we're going to the studio and we did this um halloween in 1992 in front of john gory school that's exactly the when and where wow 1992, Halloween, John Gorey, Who Let the Dogs Out. Wow. Wow. That song's huge. So, I mean, it's my understanding there has been like at least 15 to 20 different versions. <laughs> I, was, I was worried you were going to understate it. You're probably about accurate there. <laughs> <laughs> 15 to 20. I mean, a lot of, a lot of covers, a lot of bands yeah. covered this. And yeah. who's taking credit for it right now? I mean... When you say credit, do you mean like what do you mean by credit? It, credit, I guess. Paid. Yeah. Who, who's getting paid? Who's getting the checks? Woo. Yeah. Uh, names I'm not supposed to mention. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mm. Gotcha. All right. Okay. So, um, but as far as you could recall, mm-hmm. you were the first person. The you. Mo- the movie says so. Okay. 
So let's talk about this movie. It's my understanding that you're going to be a part of a documentary that is going to be at Sunray Cinema on November 13th at 730. Indeed, to benefit he, the Bahamas relief. To, All proceeds go to benefit. Ah, okay. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. So um, that's going to be at Sunray Cinemas. That's right. On Park at Park Street in, um, in the historic Five Points area that's of right. Jacksonville. So... Um, I really want to thank Tim and Shana. They, they've been wonderful to us, hosting us as well as connecting us as well as engaging us. They've been thoroughly great. And Tim and Shana are? The owners of okay. Sunray so Cinema. Yes, no. forgive me. Sunray. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love Sunray. I always have. Yeah, I me really too. Have. They're good to the community. I only, they really are. And you yeah. know, to be honest, I only go to the movies there. Wow. <laughs> I never I, knew that, MJ. I do. I, I just like the atmosphere. And it makes you it, it it takes you back to what it must be like going as a teenager to the movies. Yeah, you know I like the fact that I can get a Rolling Rock and a and a and a tub of popcorn. <laughs> yes, and you know if I want a pizza, you know I can get a pizza and have them bring it to me while the movie's going on. Right, right. And I I love the fact too that um, I can get a buzz while I'm watching the movie. <laughs> right. I can get a drink. <laughs> I I just have this thing. I like to be a little lit yeah. watching movies, whether they're historical or funny or yeah, yeah. whatever. So, so you shout, de- out, you shout out to Sunray. You're definitely out allowed to, to get lit at Who Let the Dogs Out. I hope you will. So, okay, so this documentary that's coming out, um, give us a little bit of background about how, how, it, how it occurred and why. Like what, so there's this big span from 1992 to, you know, the 15, 16 potential artists that have covered the song. Right. To now. That, you know, the songs died out, but it has not been forgotten. It's one of those timeless It is, definitely. That everybody, like I said, everybody movies, knows his hook. I mean. It's been everywhere. Yes, There's yes, been yes. comedy, like parodies, so, so many different versions and so many er- different everyone's iterations. Everyone's taking a, a whack at that dead horse. Yeah. No, everyone. Really. Everyone. <laughs> and, and some are, some are still whacking that dead yeah, horse. Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> right. So. Um, Beating it down. Why the documentary and why now? Why now? Because it's twenty years. That's the twenty year rule. Mm, okay. Twenty year rule. Um, I didn't. I didn't plan it that way. I hoped it would play out that way. It's playing out that way. So maybe you know this theory holds some water. But um, to rewind, uh, you know the song hit in two thousand, the Baja Men's version. Mm-hmm. And of course, what what you're what you're um, implying often is the Baja Men's version was what number nine, number eight, somewhere along the line. You know, it's not even the second or third version. It's way down there. But that's the one that broke it to worldwide notoriety. And that was summer, summer late. It, it, technically, it's released summer of 2000. Uh, I certainly wasn't listening to, to contemporary mainstream radio in 2000. So I was not aware that it was on the radio. Um, I got a call maybe September, October-ish, 2000 from Brett, my former songwriting partner. By then, we had definitely split ways a bit. We were, good, we were always good friends. But he's been married, had kids. You know, he had his whole different life rolling. I had my whole different life rolling. So when he called me up, I figured something's up, you know, Mm -hmm. because I call him. He doesn't call me. Take that, Brett. Take that. I call you. You don't call me. Anyway, (laughs) so (laughs) Brett called me up and he said, uh, hey, man, our song's on the radio. And I'll never forget what I said. I was was like doing something. I'm like, that's great because I've heard our song on the radio before. I hope they keep playing it. And like, I was ready to hang up. (laughs) Never mind that they hadn't played our song in 10 years. You know what I mean? The the very first song I ever made was played on local, on two radio stations here locally. Mm -hmm. So when I got this phone call 10 years later that someone heard my song, I'm like, that's nice, but oh well. I don't even, that song doesn't even represent me anymore, you know? And he said, no, no, you're not listening to me. It's a different group. And it's who let the dogs out. I was like, oh, we always knew that was our hit. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? It's on the radio. He's like, you're not listening to me. It's a different group. So that's when you hang up the phone and go, wait a minute. I got I to gotta process this. Yeah. You know, it takes a while to, to go from that's mine to, well, maybe that's not mine. To, no, 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 that's mine. To, no, but how could that be mine? To then eventually like, no, I know that's mine. <laughs> no, I'm now all I got to do is chase it so that took a pro that's like a year of thinking yeah and then uh you know i finally woke up and was like i got to do something about that i can't just just you know work my job that i have here and think this is the rest of my life and i got this thing that got away from me and nothing ever happens that didn't seem right to me mm-hmm. and brett had already consulted a lawyer he'd already granted it was not a reputable lawyer but he did consult a lawyer he went out and actually got some paperwork and i was like brett i don't want to follow through until we can prove we wrote this thing 
Mm-hmm. If I can't prove I wrote it, I look like an idiot up in court. That's right. mine. That's mine. Yeah. Right. Not even Where's someone else yeah. come up. No, that's mine. I was not going to do that. I'm, it's amazing that this many people so far have done that, knowing I'm out here. Because mm-hmm. if I didn't write it, I know that guy's out there. Right. So I just, that level of, of lack of empathy is really what I have struggled with in this. Like, mm-hmm. how do you say you wrote this when you're the number fourth person, fifth person? How do you say that? Anyway. So that's what I was telling Brett. I'm not going to court. Not. You got to prove to me we wrote it. And he said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm running with this. So you just, when it's time, I hope you're available. <laughs> I was like, all right. You know, I'm going there and tell my truth. Yeah. But, uh, you know, my truth is we got to do some research. And that's come 2003, I woke up. We got to do some research. Let's pack everything up, move New York. This is our life now. So we did. Okay. And uh, thankfully, I had friends that worked at VH1 through internet, through, you know, my, my love of music. I, I, my night stuff was hosting all these chat groups, you know, Yahoo groups and before that e-groups online. This is the 90s. And, you know, I was just looking for people who want to talk about music. Right. So, you know, thankfully, I met some VH1 people through that. And once they saw how much I had already, you know, my enthusiasm as well as whatever writing I was working on that was going nowhere, um, they saw that and they were like, come on up. So I was like, I got a du- dual reason now, you know, that I'm getting a job and it's a job that might even care about my personal story that I'm going up there to pursue. Mm-hmm. Well, that took, you know, I was there for 14 years from 2003 to Irma. I came back with Irma. Yeah. Right. Good timing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, apparently it got sold. You know, that's what I can say in that meantime is, you know, I did a few years at VH1. Then when that ends, you better go out and get a job cause you got to survive in New York city. So I got a bunch of jobs mm-hmm. and, um, you know, eventually somebody did take interest. I mean, that's without, without going into too much in the detail about, you know, how many times I pitched it and it didn't, didn't land and how many times other people took interest and then they went out and pitched it, you know, without going into all those details, it eventually came home. That's the only thing I could say for sure. Well, well, you know what I would like for you to, even if you don't want to give a number, because a lot of artists, like I said to you before, listen to our podcast and, you know, I want people to hear like, how many times something has to be hmm. sold or how many times do you have to pitch something? Or before... what does it mean for something to get stolen while you're pitching? Right. Mm. I mean, and because this is a precautionary tale to me, you know, Agreed. cautionary tale, excuse me. Agreed. Um, you know, for other people to learn from, you know, cause now we're like, for example, um, uh, the, the Carlton, um, from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, Alfonso Ribeiro. Ribeiro. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so he's going through, I I don't know if it's been settled yet, but a video game took the Carlton Hmm. Uh. and utilized that. And so he was saying they were in the, the last, in 2018, I know they were in a dispute um, and they were going to take it to the Supreme Court concerning intellectual, like can somebody, like a dance that you yourself, because you can't, copyright a dance right like the dougie right right right. yeah you can't copyright that but you know they he should have got a check for the for for being the first person to start correct yeah yeah, because that was you know his thing or whatever so what i'm saying to that point is how many times did you have to pitch it (laughs) i don't not as many as it sounds it's more like this this is the truth of it right let me let me let me start off with this and then we'll move in into that if either of you or any of your listeners um, are familiar with the show Flight of the Concords, you familiar with the show? No, no. Okay. They're a com- comedic act. It's a duo. They're basically a parody. You know, they stand up and make parody songs on stage, live comedy. Well, they actually had a two-season sitcom about them. They're, they're from New Zealand, and the joke is that they had big dreams in America where we don't even know where New Zealand is. That's the joke of the show. Mm-hmm. So they come over, and how, how do they fit in? You know, they, they sort of pretend it like, oh, we're country farmers. We don't know anything about America. So it's really funny like that, the way they do it. The way the second season starts, which is in 2007, while I lived in Lower East Side, New York City, mm-hmm. going out to bars every night, telling everyone my story, every night telling everyone my story. Um, <laughs> I see this show, the Fly of the Concords episode comes on. It starts off with a, a manager of the, 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 you know, the guy in the, uh, the show. He's the manager of their act. He's, he's a real comedian named Reese Darby. 
really funny new New Zealand comedian. And he's, you know, absent-minded manager. He's like, welcome, guys. You know, sit down. All right, let's talk. You know, it's that kind of thing. And he's like, let me play you a song and get your, uh, your personal opinion. And he plays a song called Doggy Bounce. And it's like, bark, bark, doggy bounce. A dude's a doggy bounce. Something like that, right? Yeah. Dark, uh-huh. bark. And uh, immediately they go, they both go, oh, I hate this song. We're so tired of hearing this song. We've heard this song endlessly. He's like, well, hold on. Let me play you another version. And then he plays the same version, but two different guys singing the same song, right? And then he stops the song. He goes, now, personal opinion time. Do you think these songs are similar or different? Mm-hmm. And they look in the sky. Uh, I think they're similar. They're exactly the same, obviously. They're similar. Yeah, yeah, similar. He says, now, good thing or bad thing? What, what's your opinion? Is that a good thing or a bad thing that they saw? I think it's a bad thing. And then the whole episode is sort of uh, predicated on this manager having to deal with the fact that now he's got a stolen song called Doggy Bounce. It was really hard for me to watch that. <laughs> because yeah. I really looked at it as like, not only does it mirror my story so exactly, but I live in the neighborhood where that's being filmed. Yeah. And then I started to realize, like, I'm just being stolen off home. left yeah. and right is what it started to feel like. Like, every time I open my mouth, someone's taking it. But if I don't open my mouth, A, no one understands, and B, no one believes it. What if I sit on this story, and then they march me up to the, you know, the, the king of universal everything? All right, king of universal. I wrote, who let the dogs out? Is he going to go, that's amazing. Come on in. There's no buzz. Right. I had to create a buzz. So I was out there creating this buzz, but you see what happened. <laughs> Everyone that heard this thing mm-hmm. ran with it in one way or another. And it was such, I mean, it, it, the, the hook itself. I mean, I don't even remember the whole song. Yeah. Me either. Just, you know, I just, just, the just the hook. Yeah. I can hear, I can still hear the music. You know what I mean? I still hear it. <laughs> so the, the, obviously the documentary touches on, give it like a, I guess a brief synopsis of what the documentary really, really touches on. It, it it treats it in chapters. Ah. Everyone knows Baha men. So that's chapter one. Mm-hmm. And then each chapter goes backwards. Well, the Baha men covered it. Next chapter. Who's that guy? Anselm Douglas. That's the Caribbean. That's the reason why it's a hit in the Caribbean because of him. Where'd Anselm go at? Next chapter. His brother-in-law. They made this song for a radio jingle in Toronto, Buffalo area. Next chapter. Before that, they found another guy who had one in Chicago. Manny Moore of uh, 20 Fingers had one called Who Let Them Dogs Loose? And this is in 95. Then it goes a chapter before that. That's me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in 92, you know, I'm the guy that with the song. And it does start at the beginning to say, you know, talking to Lita Rosario from, you know, Crystal Waters' best friend, I think we've discussed, or at least at one time was. Um, you know, she's there saying, we don't like that this is going on. This is going to create more litigation over something that's had too much litigation to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then it arcs down to our chapter. And it, and it presents us like we're the litigators, like we're coming for them. I'm not necessarily coming for anyone. I mean, truth, truth is truth, right? Yeah. You want to reclaim what's rightfully sunshine, belongs to you. Sunshine yeah. is all it takes to, to illuminate. Yeah. I'm not on a hunt for anything, but there's definitely some things in the dark. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that this movie's out there to help highlight the reality because it was just everyone hated the song and now it's gone or mostly gone. People don't have to face it every day the way we did 10 years, 20 years ago. Yeah. Right. Um, so now that's, that's everyone's thought of it. And you know, no one even remembers the Baja men's name. And it's almost like an injustice to them almost. Mm-hmm. But that being not, you know, withstanding the story is it's a song, like you said, a hook so good that everyone wanted it. Wow. All right, so one more time, November 13th, mm-hmm. 7 p.m. 7.30. Su- 7.30. Mm-hmm. 7.30 p.m., come early. Get a seat. <laughs> um, <laughs> Only 161 seats. That's it. So if you, if you, so, are there tickets available? Yeah, there are tickets available now. Um, okay. Tiny URL, Jack's Dogs. Gotcha. Um, right. So, yeah, that's the most direct way to get the tickets. Otherwise, contact Sunray. Okay. Excellent. So, Sunray, 7.30, Wednesday, November 13th, Jacksonville, Florida. Who Let the Dogs Out documentary. Proceeds benefit relief for the Bahamas. All right. Thank you. You're most welcome. Thank you for this wonderful <laughs> backstory yeah, that you. led up to all this. And Thank you. My, my hope is that there is um, some immediate resolve. It took 20 yeah. years. The light, as you mentioned, the sun shines on it. The light's on the subject. Um it should be long rightfully to the right person. Wow. Thank you. From the beginning. We didn't create the phrase, but we took the phrase and applied it to a cadence and turned it into music 
And that music turned it into a major league sports anthem. We did that here in Duval. Right here. So some deep, deep ties to Duval yet again. All right. So thank you, Joe. You're very really, welcome. Really, really appreciate this interview. If you like what you heard tonight or today, if you like what you heard, please visit tastetest.live and you can find all of our old episodes and hear more about subscribing to our podcast. We are nearly on every podcast service out there, including Apple Podcast. Uh, we moved over to Anchor. Thank you, Anchor. Stitcher, uh, tune in. SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you listen to your podcast. Just search Taste Test Live and subscribe to our channel. You'll get notified the moment we release an episode. If you really love what you heard, please leave us an iTunes review and make it five stars. We'd appreciate that. That's our show. Thank you to our guest, Joe Gonzalez. Joe, can you take a quick few seconds and let everyone know how to find you i am suitcase 73 that's the word suitcase followed by the number 73 on instagram all right thank you joe again really really appreciate it this has been (laughs) so fun and educating oh my god definitely wow yeah Um, this podcast is produced edited and recorded courtesy of yours truly special special thanks to our friends at wjct for always allowing us to use their studios to deliver this great podcast to you guys this episode of taste test live has been sponsored in part by our friends at wjct wjct is a leader in public broadcasting in northeast florida please support local radio and television WJCT is a nonprofit organization, and in order to keep great music shows and this awesome programming on 89.9, consider making a pledge or making a donation. For more information, head over to wjct.org slash radio. Taste Test Live is a fully syndicated podcast and is on podcast services or wherever you listen to your podcast. Taste Test Live is supported by listeners like you. If you enjoy the show and want to make sure I can keep making it at this rate, then head over to tastetest.live and click the button that says Patreon. There you can learn how you can help and get some perks for your support. If you're unable to support Taste Test Live financially, then share the show. Tell your friends about it and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast service. I really enjoy sharing this podcast with you and producing it every week. Thank you so much for listening.